If you have your Bible, I would like for you to turn to Luke 19. Luke 19, we're going to focus on verse 13 this morning. It's the theme verse for our mission conference that's coming up in a few weeks. We will read the entire section, the entire parable, but we will spend our time on verse 13. Jesus says, Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do want to pause now and pray and ask you to come and speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. You have revealed yourself to us through creation. You've revealed yourself to us through your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you speak to us through your Word. And Father, we need to hear from you through your Word this morning. Nothing else will transform us to be like Christ. So would you come and speak to us, we pray. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's been said in the past that When you become a member at Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church, if you don't have one already, you should probably go ahead and apply for a passport. I heard that many times pre-COVID. haven't really heard it as much since COVID, but maybe we're starting to make our way back to that. I know it might be a bit extreme, but I love the assumption in that. The assumption is that CMPC is so intentional about global missions that every member or everyone who comes to be part of the fellowship here knows the potential and the possibility of going into cross-cultural missions. Now, to be sure, not every Christian is called to go to the mission field, but every Christian is called to engage in global missions, and that's what we're going to spend today talking about. We're going to spend the next several weeks looking at this as we take a break from our study in Revelation, and we enter into today mission conference season. And now I say season very intentionally. As we leave uh, winter, we move into spring. With spring comes the global mission conference at Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church. Now the actual conference is not until March the 9th through the 13th. However, we need to, as a body of believers, begin to prepare ourselves for what the Lord would have us to do in this next season. And as we prepare, I believe it's appropriate, since we have several uh, new people here to Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church, that we explain just a little bit about the importance of missions and the importance of the mission conference at our church, in the history of our church. But now, if you're not new to Chestnut Mountain, and you've come to mission conference after mission conference after mission conference, I I pray, I hope, that this morning would be a good reminder or a good refresher for you on why we take this so seriously. Seriously. We're going to take what, what I like to call an airplane view of what things will look like over the next five weeks in our church. And my prayer... Our prayer as a pastoral staff is that we as a body of believers at Chestnut Mountain would see the purpose of global missions is the glory of God extending to the lost of the nations and then very practically how we are to engage in building God's kingdom. 
What does it mean to engage in sending missionaries cross-culturally with the gospel? What does it mean to go as a missionary cross-culturally with the gospel? But before we get to this year's theme verse in verse 13, I want to take a moment for us to, to get on the same page. And the reason why I want to do that is because I don't want to assume that we're all in agreement here. I don't want to make that assumption. That we all agree that sending missionaries around the world is the calling of the church and what we need to invest our time and our money and our resources in. I don't know that we all make that assumption, make that agreement. And the reason why is because I hear very often as a pastor of missions, why should we send missionaries to other countries? You know, people here need the gospel. People here in our neighborhoods, they need help. And I agree. People here in our community and in our neighborhoods, they need the gospel of Christ. And people here need help. I agree. But what we need to understand, and, and I think it's hard in our polarizing society, it's hard for us to understand, it's not an either-or calling. CMPC is called to engage both here and around the world. This is why over the years, Chestnut Mountain has planted other churches. We planted Westminster in Gainesville. We've planted East Lanier, which is now Restoration Presbyterian Church, and that's in Decula. We planted Christ Presbyterian in Clarksville. All of those. And we invest in Christ the King that's in Brazelton. We invest in Oconee County Fellowship, which is obviously in Oconee County. We are, are giving and supporting and praying for these other church plants. And it's part of the Great Commission that we declared together as God's people earlier in the service. But we don't stop there. We want to continue supporting other ministries in our church as well as around the community. And so we support Good News at Noon, which is a homeless shelter in Gainesville for men. We support Gateway House, which is a domestic shelter for women who have uh, been caught up in domestic violence. We support Eagle Ranch, crisis home for boys and girls and families. We support our family advocacy ministry, which is serving families in crisis as well, and many other ministries in our church and in our community. People in our church serve in these ministries. They give money toward these ministries. They pray for these ministries. And we shouldn't stop there either. The Lord has been very gracious to Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church over the years, and more so recently. God has brought many people into our fellowship here. He's provided financially for us, more than we could ever ask or imagine He's provided. And He continues to develop a heart in us to see people love Jesus. To those who have been given much from the Lord, much is required. So we want to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Our people, our prayers, our possessions, our priorities. Our annual mission conference where we focus on sending missionaries and going as missionaries gives us another opportunity to engage both here as a sending church as well as around the world. Our conference gives us an opportunity to understand God's desire for the nations to know Him and to love Him and to worship Him. 
It gives us an opportunity to hear from and learn about people in places that we'll most likely never go or people we'll never meet. This season gives us as a church and individuals the time to humbly ask the Lord, what's next as we build your kingdom? Now, maybe you're thinking, well, why can't we build God's kingdom in my neighborhood? I know my neighbors aren't Christians. Actually, to be honest, your neighbors are lost. They're not unreached. There's a difference. We know that they're not unreached because around here, there's a Christian church almost on every corner. You probably drove past two or three, maybe four or five, to get here this morning. They're lost. They're not unreached. If you are unreached, that means you have no access. or You have a limited access to the gospel. In other words, if you're part of an unreached people group, you would be born, you'd live your whole life, and you would die without hearing the message of the gospel, without hearing Jesus' name, without seeing a Bible. That's not true for your neighbor who's lost. That is true where Emily is serving. That is true in places like Japan, which is the largest unreached people group in the world. And then just to answer a few more questions, these very practical questions, what happens at the mission conference? Well, you have a detailed schedule in your worship guide. But I want to add to that, lives are changed at the mission conference. Lives are changed to be more kingdom-minded at the mission conference. Does it cost anything to attend? No, it's absolutely free. Who is the mission conference for? Well, anyone can come. You don't have to be a member here. All are encouraged to come to any and all events. You can come to one event. You can come to all events. We want you to come to all of them, but don't feel like you can't come to something because you can't come to the whole thing. I realize that this is an extended introduction, but considering our passage today, I think it's appropriate that we all get on the same page when it comes to missions. And if you want to talk about any of that that I just shared with you, I would love to talk with you individually. Having a culture of global missions does not just happen out of the blue. It's developed, it's cultivated, it comes about because we engage God and we engage God's world. So let's look at our passage this morning, Luke 19. We're going to read from 11 to 27. But as I said, we'll focus on verse 13. We'll come back to this throughout our next few weeks, but for this morning, let's go ahead and read the whole context. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. 
Because you've been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them for me. My outline this morning is engage in business until Jesus comes. We're going to look at three phrases there. The first one is engage. Hopefully you've noticed as we've been uh, moved back into the sanctuary now, there are three words that we are trusting the Lord to shape our focus as a church as we look to the future. Exalt, equip, and engage. We want to exalt God as we worship Him. We want to equip God's people to carry out the ministry of the church. And we want to engage God's world with the message of the gospel. In our passage, verse 13, we're told to engage until he comes. Some other translations for that word engage or make use of. Another translation is occupy as well as invest. We have in this word engage a sense of being proactive with what we've been given. Or you could say it's... We have a, a sense of being faithful with what we've been given or being responsible with what we've been given. And now it's very easy to see in this parable who did the engaging and who did not. Just through reading it, we can see that. We can see who was commended and we can see who was condemned, who was faithful and who wasn't. The first two servants who took what they were given... They made use of it, they invested it, they earned more, and they were commended. And they were also rewarded. But then the third servant was called the wicked servant, who took what was given, did nothing with it. He was condemned, but not only that, what was given was taken away. Now there's a little bit of backstory here that I'll share just briefly. If we look at verses 12 and 14... He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. As Jesus is using this parable, the listeners would have actually been very familiar with something that had happened about 30 years previous to him telling this story. What had happened was Herod the Great had died, and in his will, he passed on the kingship to his son, Archelaus. The only way that Archelaus could officially obtain his kingship was to be crowned by Caesar, and he had to travel to Rome so that he could stand before Caesar and be crowned. Archelaus was a brutal leader, 
Uh, In one day, his soldiers murdered 3,000 Jews in the temple. And obviously, the Jews were very much against him being their king, and they revolted against him. So this had previously happened, so the, the listeners of this parable would have recalled this that had happened. Without going into much more detail, maybe Pastor John will do that in a couple of weeks, we can already understand that Jesus' teaching of a wicked king who treats his servants harshly, making demands on their lives, and when they don't perform up to speed, they are condemned. Our circumstances today are quite different from this parable. We need to know our call to engage is not from a wicked taskmaster. Rather, it's from a loving king. And while he does make demands on our lives, it's not burdensome, but he calls us to be faithful with our resources. We have, as servants of King Jesus, the responsibility to engage God's world with the message of the gospel, the good news of Christ dying for sinners. We are ambassadors for Christ. Engaging God's world means taking what we've been given and using it to build God's kingdom. Example, when Nathan and Kasha Tanel and Emma and Aaron and Blake, when they sensed the Lord's leading them to Poland, as they have, to preach the message of Christ. They engage God's world by going as missionaries. And then the rest of us, recognizing that we'll probably never go to Poland, we engage God's world by sending them, by praying for them, by giving so they can go, and by encouraging and supporting them along their way. So this leads us to the next phrase, in business. Engage in business until Jesus comes. What is this business? Well, very simply, it's the going and sending, which is the business. This passage is actually centered on our finances as Christians. And there's another passage that's very similar to this one. You probably are more familiar with this one. It's in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. And that's the parable of the talents. Jesus delivered both of these parables... But in Matthew, Jesus is teaching through a series of parables. He's teaching to his disciples, and he's helping them understand how to live and prepare for his returning, that we are to watch for his returning, and we are to wait patiently for his returning, and we are to work diligently until he returns. But now in Luke, Jesus is teaching on what it means to be faithful until he returns. Now again, it's very similar there. Our faithfulness until Jesus returns. But there is a significant difference. I want to share that with you. In Matthew, Jesus is teaching about giftedness. But in Luke, Jesus is teaching about trustworthiness. And here's the difference. In Matthew, the amounts given to the servants are large, and each one, each servant, gets a different amount depending on their abilities. And this helps us to understand that each person is gifted in a different way. And we're to use our differing gifts to engage in the service of the Lord to build His kingdom. But in Luke, the amounts given to the servants are small and they're all the same. It's the same amount. And this should help us to understand that everyone has been given the same responsibility as a Christian to engage in kingdom work until Jesus returns. 
As Christians, every single one of us has been entrusted with the message of the gospel of Christ. And now it's our responsibility until Jesus returns to be found trustworthy by using our resources to build God's kingdom. Even though this passage is speaking of our finances, ten servants, each given ten minas, which is approximately about three months' wages, we need to apply the same kingdom principle to all of our resources. In other words, the passage is asking us to consider what will we do with what we've been given? Will we be found trustworthy with what we've been given? John Piper, great preacher of missions, says... There are three options when it comes to missions. Go, send, or disobey. Now some of us will be goers. Most of us will be senders. But none of us want to be disobedient. Right? At least nobody says that out loud. (laughs) And we can look back at the history of Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church and there was a point when the leadership of the church began praying that God would call people out from our fellowship to go cross-cultural into the mission field. Pastor John and I talked this past week and he told me that in 1991 he began to ask the leadership, the elders, where are our pastors and where are our missionaries? In 117 years of existence, CMPC had zero. So the leadership began praying. They prayed for the Lord to raise up full-time workers from our midst for full-time kingdom work in 1991. Let's put that into perspective. The leadership of the church was praying for me to go into kingdom work. They didn't know it, and I didn't know it, because I wasn't even a Christian in 1991. I was a junior in high school, and the last thing I was thinking was about being a pastor. I promise you that. They began praying, and God began to call. I joined the staff in 2002 full-time, and I kind of began to document these people that have come out of our church. They've gone into full-time kingdom work. And as I started documenting, I I know I've lost many or I've missed several, but we've had 39 CMPCers that have been called into full-time ministry or cross-cultural missions. 39. And some of those are married now. That's not including their spouses. And to be sure, some have come back home. They're doing something else. Maybe they have a second career now, a a different career that that they're doing That's 39 people that have come out of our church to go into kingdom work. And while those people had the privilege to go, there are so many others that answered the call to send. I know of one missionary that I am friends with said, if you can't go yourself, if you don't have the privilege of going yourself, then you labor to send 100 others. So we're working on it. If I don't get the opportunity to go in in the near future, I'm just going to continue to work on those 100 that we send out. I cannot even list the names or count the number of people that engaged from this church in the business of sending people into the kingdom, to kingdom work. People began to meet in prayer groups and pray for our missionaries. They began to fast and pray for the gospel to go forth. 
They began to make sacrifices in the way that they lived their life, the things that they ate, the clothes that they wore, the cars that they drove. And instead of spending money on themselves, they began to give money to missionaries to take the gospel to the nations, to the unreached. I don't tell you these things to boast. I don't tell you these things to display CMPC's accolades before you. I don't tell you to make much of this church. We don't want to do that. I tell you this so that we can rejoice together at all that God has done in the past here through this church. And I tell you to spur us on in the business, the business of going and sending missionaries to the nations. Being part of Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian Church means being part of a body of believers in Christ that want to be found trustworthy with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ until he returns. So let's turn our attention to this last phrase, engage in business until Jesus comes. And this is crucial, until Jesus comes. Our engaging depends on what we believe about his coming. If we don't believe that Jesus is coming again then we'll not be engaged in the Great Commission. But on the other hand, if we do believe the promise that Jesus will return, then we will be engaged in the Great Commission. It's it's really as simple as that. And all we have to do is look at our daily activities to understand what we believe. Verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus begins his journey to Jerusalem. He set his face to go to Jerusalem in 9, 51 and 53. And now he's about to enter into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry is the very next passage, verse 28. And so everyone around Jesus is expecting the coming of the kingdom of God immediately. The assumptions of the coming of a political Messiah are running very high as Jesus begins to make his way into Jerusalem. And then Jesus tells this parable. You can almost hear him say, now just wait a minute. Not so fast. It's not what you're thinking. And so Jesus uses this parable to teach of the delay and the coming of the kingdom of God and its fullness and its final glory. Not so fast, he says, there are things that still have to happen. Philip Ryken helps us here. He says, Jesus still needed to suffer and die on the cross for our sins. He still needed to rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. He still needed to do his gospel work among the nations through the church. That's us. We're currently living in the delay right now. We are the church that does his gospel work among the nations. The kingdom had come in one sense when Jesus came, but in another sense it would not come again until Jesus came again. It's the already not yet tension that we live in. And to understand that, think of the petition from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 10. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a prayer that acknowledges God's rule in the world today. God's kingdom is here already. How do we know that his kingdom is here already? Every time we see a heart made new, we know his kingdom is here. When we see someone sacrificially laying down their life for the sake of the gospel, it's kingdom. When we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, love, joy, peace... 
Those are kingdom characteristics. When we experience acts of righteousness, or we experience redemption in the culture, when we hear stories of grace, we know the kingdom is already here. However, when we watch the news just one night, we know that His kingdom is not here in its totality. The struggles, the sin, the obvious evil in the world, the thorns and the thistles, the diseases, injustice, idolatry, lying, cheating, stealing, murder, rape, pride, anger, bitterness, hatred, death. When we see these things, the kingdom of God is not yet completely here and won't be here until Jesus returns. And so in the middle of this delay, this gap, you and I are Christians. If you trust Christ, you are a Christian. And as Christians, you and I are engaged in God's business until He comes. More specifically, you and I have been given the message of the gospel, and King Jesus wants to see if we're trustworthy servants. What will we do with what we've been given? One answer to that question, there are many answers to that question, but one answer is to prepare ourselves over the next few weeks for what God would have for us in this next season of life. Now, you might be in the season of being a student in school, or you could be on the other end of the spectrum. Your season is that you're a mountain climber, and anyone and everyone in between, what is your next season of life to look like? Over the next few weeks... We all need to prayerfully consider how the Lord would use us as a church collectively, but also as individuals. So come to the mission conference. And if you've come for the past 20 years, come as a first-timer. Come with first-timer eyes. If you're here for the first time, come. Don't just go through the motions. Come to connect with the Lord, to connect with our missionaries, Come to learn how to pray. Everyone needs to know how to pray better, right? Come to learn how to pray for revival among Chestnut Mountain. To pray that God's kingdom will be built on earth as it is in heaven. To pray for our missionaries and for the countries where they serve. Come to understand how to give sacrificially by faith of your resources so that the name of Jesus would go to the ends of the earth. And then come asking God if you're going to be the one to go. To go across the street or across the globe to carry the message of the gospel of Christ to the lost in your neighborhood or to the unreached around the world. There's a place for everyone to be involved because everyone has been given the same message of the good news of Jesus for sinful man. Now, William Carey, I'll close with this, William Carey is known as the father of modern missions. He was a missionary to India back in the 1700s, and he wrote a book. Uh, and this is the title. Pastor John shared this with you before. The title is, An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens in Which the Religious State of the Different Nations of the World, the Success of Former Undertakings, and the Practicability of Further Undertakings are Considered. Guess is that title wasn't a bestseller. So he shortened it to Inquiry. This is what he says at the end of his book, Inquiry. He says, every Christian must pray, God will answer. And besides praying, Christians must plod and plan. Societies must be formed, and then stout hearts must volunteer to go. 
then all the Christians in the congregation must fund them. Every single word in that is applicable for today's missions because everyone here has a place engaging in global missions. What will you do with what you've been given, CMPC? Let's engage until he comes. Pray with me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we do just want to celebrate and rejoice with all that you've done through your people here in raising up people to go and to send so that the message of the gospel would reach those who don't have access to it. Father, we thank you for the way that you move among us. And we thank you even now that you're moving among us to come to the conference, to pray and to give, and maybe even some to go. Lord, I ask that over the next few weeks you would help us to prepare for this next season of life for us, whether it's individually or collectively as a church. But Lord, at the same time, I also pray that if there is anyone here who doesn't know or understand this message of Jesus coming to save sinners, I pray that you would reveal that to them yourself. You would draw them to yourself that they might fall in love with your grace. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.